Hi, my name is Jen McFarland. I'm listening to Chris Smith on Culture Matters. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hi there, my name is Chris Smith and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 125. The guest for this week, for this episode, is Jen McFarland. Jen McFarland, the host of Women Conquer Business Podcast, has spent over 10 years as a business analyst and growth strategist. She lived and worked in Kazakhstan for ten for two years, where her experiences made her a champion for equity, human rights and cultural competency. Jen's goal is to help women and people of color build sustainable businesses positioned for expansive growth. Her strategies and tactics guide clients to navigate change and uncertainty gracefully while staying in alignment with their three to five year business goals. In this episode, um, Jen and I talk about the, uh, the transformation, she calls it, that she underwent when she was in Kazakhstan and when she came back to the United States. So it's an interesting talk um, and, and how we talk about, or actually she talks not, talks not about ethnocentric uh, way of thinking, but more of a, an ethnic, um, ethnic relative way of thinking. And I think that is a very nice and sweet approach to looking at cultural differences. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Hey Jen, good morning. I know it's good morning for you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Got a cup of coffee in front of me and blue skies outside, so it couldn't be better. And I've, I've got, got you a on cup the line. of coffee right. and, and, and some cloudy cloudy skies here, but that's okay. It's in, it's Oregon. That's what we do here. That's what you do. Okay. All right. Well, you've revealed somewhat of your, uh, of my first question that I ask all, all my guests, just to get a little picture of, of who's on the other side for this podcast, number 125. We know your name, Jen McFarland. Uh, we know that it's morning. We know that you're in Oregon. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where do you come from, maybe originally? Um, Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon, Oregon, I guess, is where you are located right now. And what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? Sure. Uh, well, I've not lived maybe as extensively around the world as some of your guests, but I did grow up in a small town outside of Boise, Idaho, which is... Uh, one state over from Oregon, so not not really the West Coast. Um, it's a very, uh, at the time, very rural, white, uh, kind of almost like a middle America uh, type place, a little Norman Rockwell-esque is yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't travel a lot until I met the man who is now my husband. We've been married for 20 years. Wow. And we lived in Oregon and Arizona and then I got to fulfill a kind of a lifelong dream uh, to serve in the Peace Corps. And we lived in Turgen, Kazakhstan for two years teaching English. Um, and anybody who's been in the Peace Corps will tell you when you are in the Peace Corps, you you have your, your task, which is teaching English. And then you do so many other things 
outside of that scope of work, um, which is absolutely what we did. Uh-huh. And um, then when we came back from the Peace Corps um, in 2006, we moved back to uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, which is where I am now. Um, but we always have the travel bug and we travel around um, a lot of different places, um, Europe, South America. Um, I'm really itching to go back to Kazakhstan because we've been back now for like 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's so many places on the list. I don't know that we're ever going to see everything, but we're going to try. Okay. that's, um, um, that's- And then the cultural frame of reference uh-huh. is that I I went through a very amazing transformation while I was serving in the Peace Corps in Kazakhstan, which is a country that a lot of people um, haven't been to. It's not a place that is in the news very often, unfortunately. Uh And I learned a lot about myself and how I relate to other cultures. And primarily where my transformation occurred is around equity. Um, When things happened to me that were unfair, uh, I realized that it was because that unfairness had not happened to me as a white woman in the United States. And it really opened my eyes to um, a lot of the equity, inequality, inclusion issues that we have uh, in the United States. Um, And what maybe a lot of listeners don't know is that the third goal of Peace Corps is actually to build friendship and understanding and religion, not religion, um, relationships uh, in your home country after you finish serving in the Peace Corps. So what I'm actually working on is the third goal, which is um, building bridges with other cultures um, in a lot of my work um, through equity. I think you've, you've just answered all my questions. I think we're, we're done with the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not true. That's not uh, that's not the case. Um, I've had more people. I've more had more guests who um, served in the Peace Corps, and and frankly, to be honest, but that's just my ignorance. Just a few words. What is the Peace Corps? You, how do you get in there? Is it mandatory? Is it a choice? Sure. Uh, so especially for people, I know you have a lot of listeners who are not in the United States. Exactly. Uh, the Peace Corps was started by um, uh, John Kennedy, our president in the 60s. Uh-huh. And it was really just to build friendship around the world. It's not required. In fact, Peace Corps volunteers are a relatively small community of people um, considering that it's been around now for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are only about 300,000 former Peace Corps volunteers um, in the United States. And so we're like a small city of people who have lived and worked overseas for two years mm-hmm. um, doing various things. So like I said, I was an English teacher. There are a lot of people who do business development. Um, basically, uh, they find out the tasks that um, would best serve the country, mm-hmm. um, and it's all done government to government. Um, and then okay. we go and do that. But then when we get in our local communities, like I said, you end up doing you, – you find different needs. Mm-hmm. And if you are listening and um, have an open mind, you find that there are so many things that you could be doing in addition or instead of what your assignment is to really – um, create a rich experience. For example, the thing that my husband did, because I served with my husband, which was okay. also somewhat unusual, not unusual um, in Kazakhstan, um, mm-hmm. and I can explain why yeah. <laughs> in a minute. Okay. Um, but what his uh, secondary project was, was being in a rock band. And okay. it was awesome. You know, so he was <laughs> there in Kazakhstan. In Kazakhstan, okay, yeah. Cool. And yeah. In, our, in our small village, I mean, the coolest part was when they had a concert 
at this old Soviet cultural center mm-hmm. um, that was closed most of the time, but they opened it up and it was like the whole town came, <laughs> you know, to see my husband and these like three or four guys um, play a rock concert. And it was amazing. It was fun. And sometimes when you have these cultural experiences mm-hmm. and you just realize how much that we have that we can share with each other, mm-hmm. something really beautiful happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, yeah, I can ima- I can imagine because you you might not expect it, and then it 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 happens, and it seems to blend and and um and and be appreciated, and I think that must be a wonderful feeling as well. Uh, the question about uh, Kazakhstan, the uh, I just looked it up while you were explaining some on Wikipedia because I I've heard of the country evidently, but I was wondering I, I don't know the capital. The capital is uh, is Astana. And people might recognize the city. The largest city in the country is called called Almighty, and um, or Almata. I think it's also uh, pronounced like yeah. that in in different in different ways. And they had the Olympic Winter Games. I know a lifetime ago. Um, so people might might recognize it somewhere for there. Is is this um, the Peace Corps? Is that only for Americans, American citizens, or can, can could yes. I, could I join as well if I want to? Uh, I don't, unfortunately, know. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be an American citizen. There is no upper age limit. Uh-huh. Uh, typically, people have to be at least, I, I think it is actually a rule, you have to be at least 18 to join. Yeah, yeah. Typically, people have been to college yeah. um, because they are looking at your broader experience, uh, volunteering in your community, okay. um, degrees, things like that. If you want to serve in a Spanish-speaking country like uh, Mexico, um Dominican Republic, uh, mm-hmm. you have to have some pretty advanced language knowledge. Um, of the yeah, Spanish language so there's all different language. kinds of guidelines yeah. uh, for depending on what you bring um, to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool because like when we served, uh, we had a lot of recent retirees mm-hmm. in our group. So they had this life lifelong experience that they could bring and really um, – you know, meet some cool people and work together on projects. And um, I was wondering, do you pick Kazakhstan or because I can imagine you might, I mean, if you would speak Spanish, Mexico would be maybe uh, uh, an easier choice if you want. I mean, or were you already familiar with what, what to expect in Kazakhstan? (laughs) No, I did not pick Kazakhstan and I didn't know really much about it Uh until after the assignment came through. We didn't realize that we could turn down an assignment. Um, so a lot of people do. They'll say, no, I want to go there. Yeah. Um, and I think that we would have done that. I am so grateful and thankful, um, you know, pretty much every day that we didn't know and mm. we didn't do that. Um, I will say it was quite a shock to the system because at the time we left a place in Arizona that it was, you know, um, 100 degrees or I guess yeah. it would be closer to in, in Celsius, you know, um, 30, 35 degrees uh, centigrade uh, to go to Kazakhstan, where um, literally in the winter it was um, negative 20 to negative 40 Celsius. Um, and, and well, actually, and Fahrenheit, um, when it's that cold, they start to come together and be the same. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from someplace where it was so hot, yeah. you couldn't sit in your car um, with the air conditioning off to someplace so cold yeah. that the vitreous fluid in my eyes was freezing. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have to blink a lot so that, so your eyes wouldn't feel frozen. Yeah, uh, and it was that, that was quite a shock. Um, 
you know, uh, just because, and, and they actually asked us, you know, are you okay with places that are cold? This was, I still remember this question before we knew what country we were going to. And yeah. I was like, sure. Yeah. And then they sent us there and I looked at the temperatures and I was like, oh my God, we're, we're going to freeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, evidently, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a cold place indeed. Part of, former part of the Soviet Union indeed. I, it, when when you when you say something like this, when you're explaining this, it may it may it reminds me of these little little um, typical Instagram videos you see when somebody in a really cold country throws up a bucket of water and it comes down as snow. I think that's that's how cold it must have been. I think it was. I have an interesting story. So when. When you're in the Peace Corps, you're not making a lot of money. I mean, that's uh -huh. why we're called volunteers. We yeah. make enough basically to live on. And I was, we lived in an old Soviet bloc apartment. Mm -hmm. We did not have central heat. Mm -hmm. We just had these little heaters everywhere. And one place where we lived, um, the heater was like two coils with like strips of metal between them. I have no idea how this thing worked. It was <laughs> totally unsafe, not something you would find, um, you know, in the United States or Europe. Yeah. And I, it was so cold that I just kept moving closer and closer to it, you know? And I was like, what's that smell? I don't understand. And I looked down and my pants were on fire oh, because goodness. I had moved so close <laughs> that I had like set my own pants on fire. So yes, it was very cold. Yeah. Um, but you know, like anything, you just adjust. Yeah. You just and, learn and, you and, and do it. Yeah. And, and, and you did it for two years. I mean, this is not like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to spend three months and that's it. I'm going to run home, but you stay, I mean, you went through that cycle twice. Yes. So, mm -hmm. okay. You mentioned, um, you were, you were going with your husband or now your now husband there. You had something more to do because there was not coincidental or something. Yeah. So, um, it is a little unusual for husband and wives to go together. Um, at least it was at the time that we joined. Mm -hmm. Um, and however, in Kazakhstan, where there isn't Peace Corps in Kazakhstan anymore um, due to safety issues, some of mm -hmm. which we experienced. Uh, but at the time, mm -hmm. Kazakhstan was the primary place where they would send husband and wife couples. And the reason for that is because things like the um, Soviet-Afghan conflict wiped out and also World War II wiped out entire generations of men. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of widows um, with, you know, master bedrooms that were free and they could take, they could, because the winters were so harsh, the first winter we had to live with a family. And, uh, so we could learn how to manage, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, how to do like the pechka, which is like a, a wood fire to keep things going. Mm -hmm. Um, although we didn't have that when we were on our own, we, we had electric heaters. Okay. Uh, but, so we could learn how to manage the cold and, and so it was a very unique experience when you realize um, how much different these um, th these historical when the historical context is shown to you in a different way, and you realize how many more significant losses were um, suffered in certain conflicts than maybe in your own country. Yeah. You know, like every single village that we saw in Kazakhstan had some sort of World War II monument. And every single village that we went to had significant losses of men. Yeah. Yeah. And that, it's that been is... a devastating. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, finish, please. No, I mean, it's just had a really, um, I think, devastating impact on the culture. Ah. Um, and I hope that in generations to come, uh, it will, it will change, meaning mm -hmm. that men will have more hope and more joy 
um, because it's just, I think that any place where there aren't a lot of men to help usher in the way, you mm -hmm. know, for more men, I, I think I just saw a lot of desperation among mm -hmm. the men and then the women were picking things up and, and yeah. taking care of it. Yeah, and that's in that and, and I was going to say, I mean, this is and this is what travel does to you. I think. I mean, that is, if you're if you're to some extent sensitive, and if you don't go to all inclusive resorts in the world, which I'm not condemning because it's a, it's a everybody's free choice. But the way that you travel and you open your eyes and you actually, and you see actually what you see, this is different from a BBC documentary. I mean, living it yourself, being there and seeing it, and it's. And I think that's how, how travel, um, can enrich you in which I don't, I think anything in, in any other way can. Um, and I want to segue if that's okay with you. Cause if I look at your website, um, which is, yeah. which is jenmcfarland.com, it's the, the headline is helping women conquer the world of business. And there you talked earlier about your, your transformation or your transition because of stuff that you experience in Kazakhstan. And maybe you can fill in, you talked about being unfair, unfairly treated, etc. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And maybe you have some, uh, like a story around it as well. I do. Um, and I wouldn't say that I was unfairly treated. I think that this happens in, um, I've seen it happen in my own neighborhood. Uh -huh. I think it happens around the globe where we all make assumptions culturally that yeah. everybody knows and understands what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. So I don't believe I was treated unfairly. I believe that in some ways it just meant that they thought that I was in the know about some things okay. that I wasn't, right? Uh, and so what happens is, as I said, it was it's very cold yeah. <laughs> there. And getting ready for school, you know, we aren't allowed to drive in Peace Corps. And so getting ready when it's negative 40 to go and teach um, and walking to the school is a big, a big task, mm -hmm. which you wouldn't think it would be, but putting on all of the layers of clothing, mm -hmm. um, we didn't have running water. I mean, it was just, you know, it was just difficult Tough. as it is, yeah. um, in, in a lot of places without mm -hmm. the creature comforts that a lot of people have in the United States and Europe. And so when you go through that whole process and you get to the school and the school's closed with padlock, <laughs> you kind of get irritated, yeah. you know, and when you go to the market and you're being charged uh, double yeah. of what a, a, a villager um, who is a native, um, a, a host country national would be treated uh, charged, then it does frustrate you, yeah. you know? And so it's, it's all of, all of these little things that happen that over time, um, really begin to agitate you or anger you. And it's just this idea of being the outsider, right? Yeah. And it was a common frustration for many of the volunteers in Kazakhstan. And some people never really, some of the American volunteers never seemed to really get over that. Mm. Um, but I dug a little deeper and I was like, why am I so mad? You mm -hmm. know, the first, you know, the first year, I was like, man, this is terrible. Like, what's going on? You know, I was still having a great time. I I still made tons of friends and everything, but I had this like little irritation, mm -hmm. you know, and but then I dug into it. And I think that's kind of the benefit of being someplace longer as opposed to going on vacation for a yeah. week yeah. Um, when something happens, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I dug into it and I, and I realized that these are experiences I had never had. 
in my own country. And then I was like, okay, so what does that mean? And then I started opening my eyes to the fact that there are people treated the way that I had been treated in my own country mm-hmm. and paying attention and realizing when people are being treated differently or when uh, somebody looks at another person and makes an, assess- an, an assumption or a judgment. Mm-hmm. And it really, and it all happened while I was overseas. And then when I came back, um, it, it really changed the way that I interacted with people. It changed the way that I, um, you know, I, I just really, it just really changed what I saw in terms of equity and culture and cultural competency. And it really brought home the idea of, you know, being ethnocentric versus ethno-relative, mm-hmm. which is to say, you go from thinking that, you know, there's only one way and your country is the best way. Yeah. <laughs> and we know all of the things to realizing that we need to build relationships and be, um, and, and really relate to others um, and see them for who they are and the beauty of what they bring. Yeah, no, it makes good sense. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's serious stuff, and and um, it's 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 important. I I, I can't help but but hear the dog in the background. Is that true? Yes, it is. As uh, <laughs> he's in another room, um, apparently somebody had the gall to walk in front of our house, possibly with another dog. Okay. And it has him a little riled up. I'm which sorry is, about that. No, which is perfectly fine. It's, uh, <laughs> because we did talk about, talk about this before we hit record. So, um, so I'm, this is just, this is, well, live podcasting. Podcasting is not live, but the recording. What you hear is what you get. Ethnocentric to ethno-relative. I like that as a, uh, as a quote and as an insight. The, the fact that you felt treated differently was that did that have anything to do with the fact that either um you were american american citizen in a maybe former soviet country um or the fact that you were a woman or maybe a combination of both uh actually i don't think it was the woman part Uh uh-huh um i i really think it's the american part okay and um and and just being different you know kazakhstan is largely a muslim country uh, so, you know, and we're dressed differently and we have a backpack, <laughs> which was like a big, like beacon in that country of being American, yeah. um, interestingly enough, uh, even as opposed to being European, um, you know, just the way that, uh, Americans interact, I think in certain countries it it really is like, oh yeah, no, we know exactly where you're from. <laughs> um, and, and which is to say that, you know, in former Soviet countries, largely, um, the reason why some of the things happened, I mean, at the school, the school being padlocked was literally that they thought that I knew okay. as frustrating as that was. They really, I, I really think that they knew and it just shows like how a lack of communication and assumptions can be made. Um, yep. when, it, you know, when people aren't in the room because they would all know, Oh yeah, <laughs> you weren't in the teacher meetings because yep. <laughs> we don't include you, but True. they don't think about that. Um, and that happens, I think globally, you know, when you have a guest or somebody, they just aren't in the know. Yeah, that's Um, true. It happens. And and, and the the interpretation of that tends to be negative. Like you did this on purpose. Uh, you're, you're locking me out. Um, it's, you don't like me and now I don't like you either. I mean, generally I, my experience is that that is this interpretation of what happens 
of something that you don't like tends to be negative. Correct. And what I ask, um, and I do this in my business too, yeah. is when we start to make these assumptions, that's a really good time to uh, pause mm. and consider for a minute what what may be a little bit deeper. I think a lot of uh, disagreement around culture or race or sex, like gender, mm-hmm. um, has to do with this um, inability to pause and consider another another opinion. Mm. Um, we get so wrapped up in our own stories around mm. what's happening that we don't open our, our hearts and our minds to the notion that there just may be something else going on. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a really, uh, it was a really big period of growth. Now, the other thing that I would say is mm-hmm. that in former Soviet countries, and I think that this is the case in a lot of places, uh, how people, so being charged more at the store, mm-hmm. for example, I think had a lot to do with the image of uh, quote unquote American that is portrayed in Kazakhstan. Mm. A lot of the TV, so everybody asked me if I knew Britney Spears. Everybody. Personally. <laughs> Personally, you know, and I'm like, no, <laughs> how interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so I would spend a lot of time explaining uh, how large of a country the United States is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would spend a lot of time explaining that when you see someone on television, that doesn't mean that that we all know the person Mm. and also a lot of the tv that they had they were seeing shows like old reruns of dynasty and dallas and so they assumed that we all had maids that we were Mm. extremely wealthy (laughs) and i mean it's it's just a fascinating thing when you realize how your own country and culture are being portrayed and having to, to help dismantle some of those assumptions that people have so of course i would be charged more at the store everybody thinks that i'm you know, exceptionally wealthy and have a maid. Yeah. Uh, and the reality is, compared to many people in my village, the life that I have today, I am exceptionally wealthy. Yeah. You know, and and so, in a way, they they had no idea to know that I wasn't making really any more money than many people there. Although I would say I was making more money than a lot of people there, mm-hmm. um, in part because I was getting a regular paycheck, mm-hmm. and the teachers that I worked with were paid very irregularly. And um, they would go for long st- stretches without being paid. That's why everybody had a garden to support their their livelihood. Wow. So it's all it's all relative. It's all in terms of of, of how you see things. Mm. Um, and I didn't mind paying more at the store. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just gonna move on. You know, there's yeah. no reason to fight it's it. It's hard to escape, anyways. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then I just become another you know, bad American. Yeah. And that's not what I wanted to be. No, true. So in, in your LinkedIn um, uh, profile, your LinkedIn bio, it says you are a champion for uh, equity, human rights and cultural competency. It, it's, um, I can see that champion for equity, human rights. Where does the cultural competency, competency component fit in there? Sure. Uh, so the United States, like I had mentioned, is a really large, country. Yes. And cultural competency, you don't have to travel really far, at least in the United States. And I think that's true in Europe as well, to um, encounter um, another culture or another Mm -hmm. way of living. In fact, there's an article, if I can find 
the link, I'll send it to you that yeah. describes, you know, the, you know, basically like the seven countries of Oregon, right? So it's to say that we have seven, I think it's seven distinct lifestyles or cultures in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and relative to something like California, it's not really that big of a state, right? Mm-hmm. So cultural competency is part of what we face every single day. I mean, there's a culture, there are political cultures, <laughs> there are religious cultures. Right. Um, yeah. And then there's these broader cultures of understanding, like, um, you know, I, I, I met the teacher I co-taught with um, uh, is Chechen, mm-hmm. you know, and there are people here who are like, who don't rec- recognize Chechnya as, as a country, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's certainly a country to her, mm. you know, and so we are in, in we encounter culture and difference um, every day, you know, even if we don't ever travel more than 50 miles from our house, um, which I think everybody should. Mm. Um, and how we relate to others um, in our communities is, is constantly um, a chance for building relationships and increasing our own cultural competency makes um, makes good sense good stuff there so and and, and then why did you uh, talk about your business briefly and then i want to ask, ask a few questions about your your podcast because you're a, a podcast um, host yourself as well why typically focusing on women sure uh so that's an interesting question uh the truth is it's just really good to have a niche yep. for your business. Yep. A, uh, B, uh, in the United States, uh, the upbringing of women, particularly, um, women who are around my age. So like in the 40 plus yeah. age category, we weren't raised with as much of a business leadership, uh, frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So, and and we do things differently than men a lot of times just because whether it's because of our upbringing or because of gender yeah um it's just kind of the case so focusing on um and even if i would even pause to say even if you go to like google images and type in leadership uh and business you see women largely in secretarial type roles mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and men as the leaders and you see businessmen so part of the reason for focusing on women is in a way to say, hey, you know, you can do this. If this is what you want to do, mm-hmm. um, you can conquer business. And when, when we talk about conquering business, it's not the same as, you know, uh, conquering a nation. It's really just around like understanding, mm-hmm. you know, when women conquer something, it's really about like, I just want to understand this so mm-hmm. I can make it my own. Mm-hmm. And that is very much uh, how I work uh, with my clients. I also have male clients. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that I don't help men. Um, it just means that I like to focus on helping women follow their dreams and fulfill their business in the way that they see fit. Yeah, and 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 Which even just from different a than the male paradigm. Yeah, and even from a best business perspective, choosing a niche is, is always a good a good thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're also a podcaster. Just mentioned that as well. Um, it used to be called the Third Pedal Podcast. Now it's called Women Conquer Business. What's wh- what yeah. do you do there? What is it? What kind of people do you interview, or, or what's the what's the format? Sure. So it was called the Third Paddle. Honestly, um, I I got tired of explaining what the Third Paddle was. <laughs> um, it's really the same 
the same podcast as it was before. Yeah. I changed, so I changed the name so it could get found. Hmm. Uh, but I bring on people, um, you know, much like you, um, who have had interesting experiences, maybe some transformational journeys. Um, I do talk about equity and business and about, um, you know, just some, some basic skills and things that people need to know Mm -hmm. to run their business effectively, but then also to just manage, um, living in this world that can sometimes be unfair and difficult. Mm. And overwhelming and not, indeed, indeed not fair to, uh, to the energy you put in. You don't get the energy out and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How, how long have you been doing this? I just went past my one year anniversary. Wow. For the well, pod- that's not bad. I think you're a stayer for that, ex- to that extent because I think most of the podcasters, they do one or two or three episodes and they find out it's too much work. Or they, they, they underestimate the, um, uh, the effort they have to put into finding people that actually make a fit with what they want to, well, get into the market or get out in, in, into the air, I think. It's, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the, totally at the clock, Jen, here. It's, um, we've been recording a little over 30 minutes and I'd like to keep it around 30 minutes. So, um, if it's okay with you, it's the, I, I like this whole transformation, uh, concept of, of going, Going to another country, which is so totally different from your own. And then, and then not starting the finger point to those people because you're being treated differently and paid twice the price at the, uh, at the market. And then coming back and actually realizing, Hey, oh, hang on. This is, I can do something with this. So my last two questions are, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Sure. I think that the, well, the first thing mm-hmm. I would say is travel. Okay. Uh, you know, I travel abroad a lot. I am always disappointed by how few Americans I see uh, traveling. Um, yeah. I think that in, in other countries, uh, people just make travel a bigger priority. Um, I would say that travel doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, as I had like intimated earlier in the interview, mm-hmm. you can travel across town. Yeah. And have and have cultural experiences that are much different from your own. Start going to restaurants and places that you've never been to and start having those conversations and experiences, which actually relates to the second thing that I think is really important. We are increasingly living in a divisive world and environment. I mm-hmm. think that things like social media and um and, you know, all, all everything that we are doing that relates to technology actually can either broaden our perspective or make us more insular, mm-hmm. meaning we either meet new people and have new experiences or we just narrow the focus and only surround ourselves with people who agree with us. And so my point is talk to people face to face, make an effort to meet people who are different from you and have different perspectives because um, you can always my dog's barking and you can always <laughs> learn um, something new uh, from, from somebody else, even the people that you, you disagree with. And at least in the United States, I think that that is a, a huge thing that we need to do more and more, which is talk to people face to face. Don't be the troll on mm-hmm. Facebook or yeah. on social media and um, understand more about why somebody disagrees with you and then learn how to bridge those differences to make a positive difference in your local community. And then the third point is when you are having these conversations with people, um, make sure that you take the time to listen to what the other person is saying. 
Um, too many times we don't practice active listening, excuse me, which is to say we are constantly thinking of what we are going to say during a conversation mm -hmm. rather than listening and having a thoughtful discussion uh, that can actually shift shift you or even the other person. Mm -hmm. And those are the three things that I think um, really would help um, just move some mountains and really make some change. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, uh, Jen. It's, um, yeah, they'll all be in the show notes of this Culture Matters podcast, of course. So if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for you? Sure. So uh, you can go to my website, which is jenmcfarland.com, mm -hmm. where you can find, uh, I have a very active blog and podcast. And I also offer business consulting services, I'm working on a course to help with the foundational business pieces that you need to do some online marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, I also, my podcast is the Women Conquer Business podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and just about every podcast provider under the sun. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and then you can find me on social media at Jen, J-E-N-S McFarland. Um, and that's my handle pretty much across the board. Okay. You're most active on which, uh, on which platform? For... My handle? Yeah. Oh, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, oh, Twitter, the works, Instagram. Everything. All right. It works on everything. Yeah. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes as well. All right, Jen. It's been a pleasure um, in your, well, relatively early morning, eight o'clock in the morning, um, almost nine o'clock in the morning right now in Portland, Oregon. Um, Jen McFarland, episode number 125. Thanks for your time. I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Thank you. Okay, Jen, thanks again for coming on the show number 125, the Culture Matters podcast. Subscribe to my podcast if you haven't done so already. And while you're at it, you can always leave a review. I would really appreciate that. The music you're hearing in the background is from Bensound. Check them out at bensound.com. I am Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters podcast. And I'll be back in two weeks' time. Two weeks ago, in episode 124, I talked to Harry Mitsidis, the world's biggest traveler. Check out that episode as well. I'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Take care. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.